All right, guys, what is going on? Today we are going to be diving into and talking about the unknowns. And we're going to talk a lot about the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier and what that represents and the principles and values of, you know, Arlington Cemetery and, you know, paying tribute and giving honor to men and women who have served and died for our country. And a little bit of a discussion of my time as a tomb guard and what I took away from that personally and how it changed my perspective on things. And then also now how, you know, I try to take some of that perspective and and try to think about how I can contribute to the community and give back just a little bit to, you know, honor these soldiers and, you know, keep things in our mind that are very easy to forget. And if you guys haven't seen it, one of the things going around today is John Stewart talking about 9-11 and the, the 9-11 victims, and they're not getting funding for their medical bills uh, from Congress, which, you know, I'm not going to dive into my thoughts and feelings. I think everybody probably is going to share pretty similar thoughts and feelings about that. Um, but the real disappointing part of this was Congress didn't even show up. And I have a lot of problems with politics and politicians, but one of the things when I was serving and when I was down at the tomb that I found to really get under my skin was the apathy of so many politicians. And we had a lot of politicians come down, a lot of foreign dignitaries and heads of state. And it was sort of like they were just checking blocks. And, you know, the the optimist in me or the person who stays positive, I can understand that if you are ordering soldiers into battle or you are the person, you know, the, the president or Congress making those decisions, I can understand how the cemetery and death and meeting soldiers and seeing the family struggles and things, I can understand how that can be difficult. That can be a challenging decision because that might give you hesitation on what you're doing. Now, I think that's a good hesitation. I think that every decision with war, with battle should have a long pause for thought. And it's something that we need to keep in mind. But one of the biggest things that we see or one of the biggest problems with the politicians was that they weren't willing to invest the time to ask the questions. And I had a couple politicians, I'm not going to name too many names here on the negative end, but I had a couple politicians where this really stood out. And um, I was a voter in one of their districts and it was just staggering to me how, you know, I was very excited to come in and, and show him around, talk to him about the history of the cemetery and of the tomb and, you know, tell him, you know, what we represent and, you know, just let him know how this is something that's important that we don't ever really want to forget about, uh, you know, not just because it's the history of our country, but also because a lot of these unknown soldiers' families are still alive and they don't have closure. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But John Stewart came down and he came down with the USO and I had an opportunity to meet him. And he was always somebody who I held a very high respect for after I had the opportunity to meet him because it was very much the opposite. He took a massive interest and in. he spent half his day, even though the USO people were trying to pull him away to other events. And you could tell that he was interested in learning the story and the backstory. And, you know, 
the reason I bring up 9-11 is because what's happening with those politicians and what's happening with Congress is we are forgetting. We, we are losing sight of what needs to be done. Right. And this could very, very, very easily happen to the unknown soldier. And it already has. You can, if you look at YouTube clips, if, you know, you stay up on, uh, you know, the cemeteries website or Facebook page or any of those things, which obviously I still follow. I'm still part of all of that. Every time something is posted about the tomb, there is comments underneath saying, wow, what a huge waste of money, blah, 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 and all these different things. And, you know, the ignorance that lays around those comments is is just it's falling into that same vein of this stuff is very easy to forget about. And so we need to constantly be talking about why these things are important lest we just not care about them anymore. And as soon as we stop talking about them, as soon as we stop sharing their importance, then all of a sudden it gets really, really easy for politicians to stop showing up to congressional oversight meetings, congressional discussions where funding things have major implications on people's lives. And you see this all the time where they're taking advantage of first responders and veterans, their health and wellness. And, you know, if you really want me to go off on a rant sometime, uh, just get me talking about you know, how quick uh, we are to send soldiers to battle and, you know, how much we fail them on the back end of their medical care for life, for life. It should just be something where it, it, there's there's no discussion of money anymore. Right? We're, we're wasting. We are literally throwing away trillions of dollars in these wars and I have personally blown money when I was in the military intentionally because we had a quota to meet. And it happens all the time across all these different spectrums. And it's just like the way the active military works because they want the budget to be something that it keeps getting more and more and more money. And on the back end of that, that money should 100% absolutely be going to the soldiers. And so what we're going to talk about today is you know, bringing awareness and, you know, awareness of the unknown soldier. And I hope that this podcast does that. And I hope that you guys, you know, if you're listening from another box, if we post this on social media and you guys try the workout, my hope is that you understand that you are now an extended piece of the family bringing awareness to this and have a brief discussion, have a short discussion about what unknown soldiers are, what they represent, who they represent, and why it's important for us to remember these soldiers, at least at the very least for a few more generations. So an unknown soldier, and I'm going to take it way back now. For those of you guys who don't know, I was a history major. I love history. It's always my favorite subject growing up. I was very blessed to have some incredible history teachers and people that I really, really, really respected. And I love the storytelling nature of it. I loved the fact finding and, you know, researching and looking things up. And so when I was down at the tomb, one of the things that I really, really prided myself on was learning the history of the cemetery. 
and really studying and learning about why everything kind of became the way it is. And there's some obviously incredible history that I encourage you to find out about the cemetery and, you know, just it's Robert E. Lee's land. And, you know, just put yourself in that situation of, you know, you're Robert E. Lee and you're, you know, the president of the Confederacy and you're like a stone's throw. You're like looking over the Potomac River, what is now the cemetery. And you can go to Robert E. Lee's front porch and you can sit on it and you can overlook the Potomac River and see Washington, D.C. And just imagine like the Union Army sitting right there. And you're just like, oh, all right, hey, we're going to go and start a full-fledged war against these guys. And that's really where a lot of the unknown soldiers uh, are from. And so there are over 10,000 unknown soldiers from the Confederate War that are buried in Arlington. And obviously, you know, that was an American conflict and a brutal conflict. But what an unknown soldier is, is somebody who not just died, but they died in such a way that their remains were not identifiable. And now, obviously, we have DNA testing. Every soldier has their DNA on file and everybody can understand and everybody can figure out, you know, relatively quickly, especially with communications and all these things that we have now. Very, very unlikely that a soldier will ever go unknown again. But you can see in the Confederate War and leading up to and through the Vietnam War, there were thousands and thousands of unknown soldiers. So the Confederate War did not breed the beginning of the memorials for Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. This was something that was created much more around World War One and the original uh, tomb, the big tomb, uh, the big large cast die of marble at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier is the World War One unknown soldier. And basically, World War One was probably the most brutal, horrific war in terms of what happened to the soldiers. The style of fighting was a weird intermixing we were in between fighting wars with horses and guns and and tanks and planes, right? Those were kind of stuck right in the middle of this weird technology era. And it was there were so many millions of people involved with this that the numbers just became astronomical. We did not have top quality medical care. We didn't even know. And by we, I mean humanity. Humanity did not know what we were doing until it was kind of all over. And so the Great War, which is what World War One was called, ends. And a lot of these countries take a little bit to sort of reevaluate or see, you know, kind of control the aftermath a lot of cities were destroyed and a lot of people started to realize that, hey, my husband, you know, my son, they didn't come home. Like, I don't know what happened to them. And if you can, for just a moment, I want you to put yourself in that situation. I want you to take the person that you love the most in the world and imagine that they went off to battle. You gave them hugs and kisses. You sent them off. You had a party and, you know, you gave them a kiss, told him you loved them and you hope to see them again. And soldiers die in battle. That happens, right? And what happens when a soldier dies in battle is usually a chaplain's going to come to your house along with a commanding officer 
they're going to come and they're going to give the family the news. You might get a phone call first, even from the battlefield this day and age, letting you know that they have fallen. And they're going to tell you that. And as challenging as that is, you know, at least you have closure. And what happens with these soldiers is they go off to battle. They go into these wars and you don't know where they are. You can't write them. There's no phone calls. You can't talk to them. And they end up dying in a battle. Nobody pulls their remains out. Nobody brings their body back to a casket so that they can be flown back home and, you know, given a burial. This is what was happening a lot in World War One. Obviously, it's changed a little bit. And not every unknown soldier doesn't, you know, it doesn't receive a proper burial. But you don't know. And this is the hard thing for the families is you don't know if they're a prisoner of war. You don't know if they're just missing in action. You don't know if they're hurt, if they're being cared for in some foreign prison. You, you don't know anything or you don't know if they died. You don't know how they died. You don't know who they died with. There's just nothing. There's just no information. And if you guys have ever experienced this in any setting, it's one of the worst imaginable things right? It's human trafficking. It's serious kidnapping cases. You know, your kid leaves to go to school and you assume they're walking back home and you never see them again. And you just don't know what happened. You can't track them down. There's never any closure and you never see them again. And that's what's going on with unknown soldiers. It's a very, very challenging mindset I think for anybody to put themselves into to truly understand. But if you can take a moment and tap into your emotions with it, it's it's very, very, very scary and it sucks. It's really challenging. Now, unknown soldiers whose remains can't be identified, but we do have remains. They're scattered all over Arlington Cemetery. It says unknown soldier. It might say what war they fought in and the date. And that's it. And they do receive proper military burials, right? They were killed in action, so they can be buried in in Arlington National Cemetery. And there's way more of these than you think. The three currently that laid a rest at the memorial for the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, the memorial for unknown soldiers are representative of all of the unknowns over all of the conflicts. And what the soldiers who guard the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, what we really represent is their family. And it's something, again, sorry. Sorry, sometimes when I talk about the uh, families, uh, I get a little broken up uh, because... When you've seen a lot of these younger soldiers uh, who die. All right. Sorry. Um, I'm not going to edit that out. Uh, You know, it took me a moment. You know, one of the big reasons that, you know, I do get really emotional and I think it's absolutely okay for people to be emotional when they think about this, when they talk about this um, is you know, because I have seen how many 
family members, loved ones, wives, husbands now, you know, moms and dads who come to headstones and they just lay with their significant other or their son and they just spend time. Sorry, uh, struggling through this one. Um, But the reason why is I always uh, I always imagined that being my family and I always imagined that being me. And, you know, if my mom, you know, didn't know what happened to me and wasn't able to come and visit my headstone, wasn't able to have that closure and wasn't able to, you know, just know, really know what happened and know what happened to me. And, uh, you know, just thinking about how hard that would have been on on her. And, you know, when you see the families who, you know, are able to come and are able to spend the times with their loved ones who are buried there and, you know, who got a proper burial and who, you know, were honored and will lay in this amazing, you know, serene, beautiful place for, you know, eternity and always have their place, you know, that's, that's proper. And that's what honoring soldiers should be. And so I always, that was one of those things that really changed my perspective on sort of everything, uh, you know, life generally mortality, uh, you know, how lucky we are and how, unlucky, you know, some people are and how unfair life can be. And, you know, so I always try to think about taking that time to put yourself in that situation. And if you can't think about it happening to somebody you care about, think about it happening to you and think about, you know, who the people in your life who love and care about you a lot, think about how they would react and think about how they would struggle with that situation, not knowing, you know, not knowing that where their dad is or if their dad's going to come home. And, you know, a lot of soldiers who served with me and during my time and, you know, made it out and made it out of service without falling, you know, they, they lost brothers. They, they lost, you know, friends and, you know, who were mothers and fathers and, you know, they, they lost people and it just happens. And, you know, they come and they honor the funeral of these soldiers. And, you know, it's, it's easy to see that because it's modern, but when you think back to history and you think back of just thousands and thousands and thousands of people and families, and they're just going through these desperate searches, reading records and tracking and trying to figure out. And the reason that we know that this happened is in 1998, Michael J. Blassie was the Vietnam unknown, and he was disinterred. He was identified by his family. They had been searching and searching and searching for 30 years and DNA testing came along. They had narrowed it down to where it was one of four possibilities and they petitioned to have him disinterred and have DNA testing done. And there wasn't a lot of remains left. 
And they were able to do DNA testing and confirm that that's who it was. And they disinterred him and they gave him a full honors military funeral back in their hometown. And so we know what the families do. And it's a crazy, sad, challenging story. So anyway, <clears throat> sorry I struggled through that. If you guys don't like listening to that, sorry. Um, the uh, So that is what an unknown soldier is. And that is what the family of an unknown soldier goes through. And when soldiers and families uh, started to guard the unknowns, we took it on as... You know, we call it a brotherhood, but there are women who guard the tomb of the unknown soldier. We call it a brotherhood and we are their families. We're not only their protectors, but we are the families. And how I look at that is we are the people who are coming to visit their headstones. And it's not just the three or four that are laid there. It is indicative of the thousands of soldiers that are everywhere. And so we're the ones bringing flowers and trinkets and shots and coins and all the stuff that people come and bring and put on headstones for their friends and their family. We are those people. We are the family to those unknown soldiers. And that's what we represent. And we're never going to go away. We're never going to stop guarding unless Congress or the president dictates it. And even then, that is a conversation between tomb guards where we talk about we would still figure out a way to do it. Um, you know, it would become, you know, hopefully a charity or something else along those lines, but we would still figure out a way to do it. And the goal is to do it until all unknown soldiers are identified is what they say. Or really what I would say is it needs to be done until all of the families from those unknown soldier conflicts and their kin Anybody who was alive in those times has passed enough time to where there's no longer anybody worried or worrying or searching or trying to figure out what happened to their son or their daughter or their friend or their husband or their wife or any of those different things. And that probably won't really happen until about 2040, 2050, you know, depending on how far down the kin line you want to go. And so there is a potential end in sight. Even then, I don't necessarily think that we should stop. I think that it's important to continue telling the story. I think it's important to continue to honor history and understand. Um, but even as a tomb guard, it's a little bit of blasphemy saying it, but I, I do think that there is a time where it's just okay to just let them rest. And, you know, once everybody has moved on and generations have passed, I can certainly see that an active duty soldier will no longer be guarding 24 seven. And so I do think that we'll see that in our lifetime, uh, the end of the end of that. And what I would tell you is up until that time, I think that we should continue to talk about it. I think that we should continue to understand what it is and honor these soldiers and be their family members and support them. And, you know, just, just be hopeful and be hopeful that, you know, some technology, I don't know what, I don't know how, um, but something can come up where you can disinter these soldiers and, and figure things out, figure out, you know, who their kin is through some database of DNA. And, you know, obviously there's a bunch of people who are like their, their personal liberties were just super like offended. Uh, so sorry about that, but, uh, you know, it's, it, you never know what's possible in the future. 
And, uh, you know, who knows how we would logistically handle all of those, those soldiers burials. But, um, you know, obviously something that's very near and dear to my heart. And so I want to take some time just to talk about, um, you know, the workout and kind of what the guards represent. I'm not going to talk too much about tomb training. If you guys really want to hear more about it, um, you know, I'm happy to do a podcast on that and just discuss what uh, being a tomb guard is about. But again, it's not about the tomb guards. Um, you know, one of our one of our lines in the Sentinel's Creed is uh, in humble reverence, which, you know, just basically means that nothing you do down there is for you and nothing that, you know, nothing is the guards, right? The, the guards have sort of been a focal point for visitors and passerbys because they aren't granted what you guys are being granted right now. They aren't granted the story. They don't necessarily really understand what they're coming to see. They just know that it's on the list of things in DC to go and watch and they honor and respect the discipline and the hard work and, you know, the pride that the, the guards of the tomb of the unknown soldier have, but they don't necessarily really focus on the underlying purpose or reason. Uh, behind what they're doing. So I created a workout called the unknowns and it's uh, 21 movements of 21 repetitions. We chose 21 because at the tomb of the unknown soldier, everything is done in sets of 21. So 21 steps, 21 seconds. And the reason we chose 21 is because 21 is the highest honored salute that the U S military chooses to give its fallen soldiers. There's a lot of history behind why there's a lot of history behind uh, all of these things. And some of them are documented. Some of them are not, uh, you know, the, the one that we always passed around at the tomb was, uh, you know, three fires of seven shots is a naval thing. And it used to be how, um, you know, ships coming to port, how they would know that they were friendly is they would fire, you know, the, the ship coming to port would fire seven shots into the water, not into the land, uh, showing that they were a friendly ship or that they were coming on friendly terms. And if the land did not fire on them, so they would fire seven empty cannon volleys. And uh, if the land did not fire on them, then that meant that they were accepted and the ship would fire seven more to say acknowledged. At least that's the way that I learned and heard about it. Um, you guys can research that and search for yourself and tell me what you find. Always interested to hear more. We call that high speed from the new guys. New knowledge that new guys bring all the time is always interesting. Uh, and that might be more for the podcast about training time. But that is how, you know, a 21 gun salute is three fires of a seven shot volley or sorry, three volleys of seven shots. And uh, it's just a way that we choose to to honor those soldiers. And it is a salute, essentially. Right. Is how we kind of look at that. Um so that is that is sort of the the wit reasoning in the way behind the 21. So a uh, tomb guard is going to take 21 steps down the mat. They're very precise steps. They must stop and step at very specific blocks. Everything that you see out there is purposeful. There's nothing that is unintentional. We stop very directly on very specific lines. If you look down at a soldier's toes every single time they stop, they're typically, if they're on the marble, not on the mat, they're going to be stopping directly with their toe right on top of a line outside of the tomb guard. Well, the guard changer at times will stand in the center of a block. And so all of that stuff is measured out. 
And uh, you can see when you go, you can see the rust spots on the marble. Those are from the metal tips that we wear on our shoes, which are indicative of the cavalry soldiers, which the first soldiers to guard the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier were cavalry soldiers. And at that time, cavalry soldiers were the actual cavalry. So they rode horses. So they wore stirrups. And so the metal that we wear on our shoes is honoring those first cavalry soldiers. So it makes a little cling clang when we walk and uh, there's a little bit of a, a heel smack and that was just again those are homages to the original guards that served there so there's 21 steps down then you pause you turn and you salute the tomb for 21 seconds you turn back you look at the mat you change shoulders so the weapon is always between the crowd and the um, the unknown soldiers and you walk back 21 steps so 21 steps 21 seconds 21 seconds 21 steps and you repeat that all day every day now obviously there's a lot more to it than that but that is the reasoning behind the 21s and one of the big things that we think about as we're doing those 21s is obviously you're counting people always kind of ask me you know what do you do a lot of it is you know you're counting uh and it really depends on the day sometimes there are thousands of people who are coming there and you know those are days where I'm, I'm proud of our country and proud of people who choose to come to a cemetery and walk up in super hot, uncomfortable Washington, D.C. weather to sit out and honor the unknown soldiers. And I always think of those unknown soldiers puffing their chests out, their Medal of Honor recipients. And, you know, they're they're proud of their service to their country. And, you know, I think about, again, if that was me as the soldier, um, you know, being proud that people were coming and choosing to spend their time honoring a fallen soldier rather than honoring celebrities or watching Netflix or doing whatever people can do, right? On days where nobody came to the cemetery, where it was really quiet and peaceful, there's a couple of creeds and poems that uh, that we had down at the tomb that really talked about just the the beautiful peace of Arlington and it's you know it's in the hustle and bustle of DC and Arlington Virginia and the Pentagon and there's so much noise and things going on around it but when you're at the tomb it is just total peace and quiet and you know you really start to realize and I you know is kind of think about that stuff a little bit more you know supernaturally in terms of you know if you die and you're in this chaos and this battle and you know it's loud and crazy and scary and there's all this stuff going on you know I, again I like to think that you know if those soldiers if there is any afterlife um, you know if you believe in that that you know, they enjoy the peace and quiet of, you know, their resting time. And so, uh, you know, it's there's a few different things that you're kind of thinking about as as you're spending time out there with those soldiers. But a lot of it is you're gaining perspective, right? You're starting to understand more about people. You're understanding more about the cemetery, meeting soldiers. And, you know, just when you start to lose sight of that, there's always something that comes and draws and brings you back. And, you know, I have a, a lot of different stories uh, of that. But, you know, there's a lot of faith in humanity uh, down at the cemetery generally and at the tomb generally. And I enjoyed that aspect of it very much um, for a place where 
you're honoring death and it can be a dark and a morbid place. And people thought it was, I guess, weird that I lived in a cemetery for a while. It actually is one of the more positive places. People around death don't really choose to focus on the stupid, small things that we let irk and bother us every day. And so my hope in creating the workout is that it in and of itself was so daunting and so challenging that, you know, it it stripped your mind of any of the little bullshit that you've got going on um, and just let you be just let you, you know, yeah, it's hard. And that's the point is, you know, if it was easier, it was simple. Your mind would be talking to you. Right. But all you can think about in the moment is just get to 21, just get to 21 wall climbs, just get to 21 Curtis P's, just get to 21, just just hit that number. And your mind sort of releases itself of all the other noise and all the other crap. And I always enjoyed and loved CrossFit and working out with intensity or challenging myself in that capacity for that one specific thing. And so I wanted to create a workout that was that was extremely challenging in that regard so that there was absolutely no question that any time that you did it, that it was going to take you to that place. In that place is really something that is, um, you know, it's it's special and it's you know something that I felt when I was at the tomb is there's a clarity to that, there's a beauty in that I think, and so um, so my hope is that you get that clarity of mind, you know, you hear the story, you tell others about it. And you go through and you challenge yourself in the workout and on Memorial Day and on Veterans Day or whatever day that you choose to do it, you just take a second and you think about maybe what those family members might have gone through. And you think about how grateful you are that you know where your kid is, that you know where your dad is. If your parents have passed, that they lived long lives and hopefully, right? And that they were buried at a cemetery where you can go and visit and bring them flowers and you can tell their story and you can tell what happened to them to your kids and your grandkids and you can show pictures of them and you can tell the story. Just that is just something to be so grateful for. And even if we only think about it a couple of days out of the year, even if only one person out of the thousands who do the unknowns every year, even if only one person thinks about that for a moment, then, you know, I'm extremely thankful to to have had that you know contribution. And so a couple of things I want to wrap up with here and sorry that this went so long. But uh, I want to talk just a little bit about why I don't talk about it uh, very much. And, you know, this this podcast was personally requested by a couple people who are uh, who are important to me and, you know, I trust. And so uh, so I wanted to do it for them. And, you know, again, same thing. Hopefully, if, if one or two people wanted to hear, then maybe others will also. But I don't speak about it very much for, uh, you know, a few reasons. And reason number one is that I believe very, very deeply down to my core that our main purpose is to leave our community. And obviously, I'm a think local guy, but leave our community and thus hopefully leave our states and thus hopefully leave our countries um, 
you know, better. Be a person, you know, be somebody who is a positive influence in the situations that they put themselves into. And I think if we all just thought a little bit more simply and a little bit more small, not so big, and we just made the right decisions with high integrity and high accountability and humility uh, frequently, I think that we would be a better place. And so... I think my time at the tomb was something for me that gave me perspective, but I don't know if I actually really contributed to making anything better. And so one of the big things that I knew I wanted to do when I got out was have an upward trajectory of my contribution, right? My ability to make my community better. There's a lot of different ways that I want to try to do that. You know, we'll see. I'm still very young. I have a lot of ambition and things that I want to achieve. But one of the things that I've found is that a lot of the older guards, the the 50s, the 60s, the 70s guys, they they viewed the being a guard there as a peak. They viewed that as the best thing they ever did in their life or uh, the most meaningful thing they ever did in their life. And I don't want to discount that from them. Uh, It certainly could be. uh, But I think that I can make a greater contribution. I think that I can have impact in a lot of different ways locally and hopefully in the future, you know, on a state or a national level, I can, you know, help fund charities. I can help do these different things and create, take, take the perspective that being a tomb guard gave me and take now the platform to speak and public speak and volunteer and contribute that that has also given me and take that into giving back a a better place. And I ultimately think that almost every soldier who really believed in their cause, who believed in their country, that's all that they could hope for. You know, if you told any soldier who fell, you know, hey, as a result of this conflict that you just fought and died for, or you are going to fight and die for, the next generations of America are going to continue to flourish And, you know, your kids are going to have every opportunity in the world. And I do think that those men and women of World War II, if they knew that and they saw the, you know, the tyranny and the, the, you know, dictators and the things that they were facing in the world, the evils of the Holocaust and everything, I think they'd tell you, you know, that that's great as a cause worth dying for. And, you know, if you ever read Marcus Aurelius, which I recommend, thank you, Ryan, for that book. You know, it puts into perspective where, you know, we will all be dirt someday, right? We'll all be fertilizer for animals or, you know, something else in the future. And, you know, if you really think about that, you know, there should be some contribution that you want to try to, you know, not die to achieve, but commit your living hours to. And so I don't talk about it very much because I don't want to be paralyzed with that being something that I am identified with. For me, I am much, much prouder if I'm identified with contributions or accomplishments in in other regards, ways of giving back. And, uh, you know, that's a big point of pride for me. It doesn't mean that I disassociate with it by any means. 
It just means that I don't want to get in the habit of identifying with that because I do think that that I've seen that have a paralyzing effect with other previous tomb guards. So that's one of the big reasons. And the second reason really is because of a lot of what I talked about. Um, you know, I got very, very lucky uh, to not have been, you know, deployed is what I signed up for. I signed up to be in, you know, special forces, be a ranger and, you know, go through high degree of schooling and be a very high caliber, high speed soldier. And that was sort of stripped away from me. And I was sent to DC and things could have gone very, very differently for me. And, you know, you never know what that path, that, uh, that alternative path would have looked like. And, so I, I look at it as just something where, you know, I was very lucky where others were not as lucky as me. And I don't need to I don't need to rest on on that. Right. It just needs to be something for me where I look at that as I was given an opportunity. I was gifted something. And now I need to make that worth it. And, you know, to me, that's one of the most impactful parts of any movie is, you know, when Tom Hanks looks at Matt Damon and Saving Private Ryan just says, you know, make it worth it. Um, And then you see, you know, Matt Damon at the end of the movie and he's at Normandy and he's at the cemetery and he's with his family and he sees the headstone. He just asks his wife, you know, did I live a good life? Was it worth it? And, you know, that's that's a question that I want to be able to answer, you know, in my head and I want to be confident in that. Uh, knowing that I was kind of given and gifted that, uh, that special opportunity. So I created the workout in November of 2011. And, you know, I think that year we maybe had 30 people do it and it really has become, uh, something pretty incredible and something that I'm very, very proud of. And, you know, the, the community generally, the veteran community and the people who sort of spread the awareness of it now and the CrossFit community generally, uh, you know, this workout now is done in, I think on six continents. It's done in over 10 countries. Um, you know, it's been done in war zones and it's, you know, been done by, uh, a lot of people who have never met me before. And also people who have never been to the tomb of the unknown soldier before. And kids now are doing it with their friends and their family and their parents. And hopefully when they grow up or before they go on their eighth grade field trip, they can maybe listen to this podcast and they can understand how they're already a part of what they're going to go and see. They're already a part of the cemetery because they are building the awareness of what the unknown soldier is. They are in that moment honoring fallen soldiers. And I think if we keep that perspective on things, I think then, you know, we would be more apt to pay attention to our political process to make sure that veterans and veteran health care is treated the right way. I think we would be you know, more in tune generally with trying to contribute the right things at the right times and vote for the right people with clearer eyes about what we are actually electing and signing up for. And just loosely keeping in the back of our minds how much has happened, even in just the last hundred years. 
and it's happened, you know, how much has happened, I should say, just in terms of conflicts and sacrifice. And it's been the soldiers and the families of the people buried at Arlington and of those unknown soldiers. It's been their sacrifice. Right. History remembers, you know, generals and presidents and heads of states and, you know, the conflicts more generally. But and it's really easy to throw away, you know, oh, 30 million people died here and you know, 20 million people died there and 70,000 died here. And you just hear these numbers and it's just like but every one of those is a story that comes with somebody's family and five and 10 and 20 people affected and that those people being affected uh, it's it's something that we are just a little bit getting further and further removed from in our community and if we forget if we stop paying attention, then we are destined to treat each other that same way or have power hungry dictators or anything else that could come up in the future. And we just won't necessarily respect and treat it the way that it should if we aren't, you know, clear eyed and full hearted with everything that we can be experiencing given our current culture and the current things that are really important to us. So I hope that this uh, hits home for you guys a little bit. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know much about the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier or don't know much about the training, um, you know, I hope that this was a little bit enlightening. And, uh, you know, sorry, I, sorry, I got choked up a little bit. Um, you know, it's, uh, I'm a mama's boy. If you guys don't know, love my mom, uh, very, very, uh, proud of, you know, how incredible my family has been for me. And it's always very challenging when I think about, uh, them going through those struggles. And when I signed up for the military at 19, uh, you know, I did not have that perspective. You know, I did not know really what I was signing up for. And I didn't respect it near as much as I should. And I think that's why young people go to war. I actually just watched a World War II documentary called uh, Into the Blue on HBO. And that's one of the things that they talk about is, you know, the, they, they talk about how young all their crews were on world war two. And he goes, uh, and I started, and I realized why now. And he goes, cause, cause old guys aren't foolish enough to go into war. And really, I think a lot of it is, is, um, you know, I, we just have better perspective on things as we, as we start to age. Um, so if you guys like this one, uh, don't be afraid to shoot me a line about it. If you guys feel like you want to know more uh, or have me do one about training and uh, some of those things, please uh, reach out. And, you know, if you guys feel like there's anything missing or you guys feel like there's anything you want further elaboration on, I'm always happy to have a conversation on it. And I appreciate you guys. I hope you guys have a fantastic week. It's a beautiful week in Columbus. And, you know, we had just have incredible weather and, you know, always just feeling very, very, very thankful that you guys spend the time to listen to this and that you guys care enough to ask to learn about these things. Um, and so uh, it makes me makes me feel good about the contribution that I am having in our community. And so I appreciate that. And Charlotte's up here now. And so uh, I will see you guys later. Bye.